Boys Elves Love Me for a Reason. That's in my head now. <laughs> Don't love me for fun, girl. Let me be the one, girl. Love me for a reason. Let it be a massive cock. Hey! Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host has been causing confusion and delight in equal measure by answering every call this week with the same four words. Uh, new season, who dis? Your friend of mine, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? Oh, <laughs> uh, new season, who dis? It's good because it's a really old joke now as well, so I think it's... Yeah. It plays well. Do you find it fun that it takes us a while to get our head round and start using these things? But when we do, things have long passed. Yes. Point. Yeah. Yeah, such as being a kind of uh, now a kind of vaguely middle aged fuddy duddy. Yes. Yeah, that's us. And, um, I, you know, it's taken me a year to get on board with talking about, you know, wet ass pussies and things like that. And now nobody wants to hear it. I just, I just want to bond with the kids and talk about. How about that Brockhampton? Yeah. Kids kids don't want like the Brockhampton anymore. And they just want to talk about the Delta variant. And <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed their first EP. I will say the Delta variant. <laughs> I I'm looking for I mean, presumably the next one is Echo. Mm. That's, a, that's a good ass name for a variant, isn't it? That's a top top name for a variant, yeah. Especially because it's gonna be like you know, most people are trying to get back to normal. And then if Echo's a real whopper. Yeah. And it just, it's like, no, back in your houses. Ha, ha, ha. That's what Echo sort of sounds like. I'm also going to see how much long people say Echo. They go, and the bunny man. Hey. <laughs> see how long I can get that going for. <laughs> say that again. <laughs> say that again. Echo, Echo. Anyway. <laughs> Should we anyway, move on from the beginning preamble into uncomfortably talking about Sheffield Wednesday? Well, I, th- I thought a, a joke that is sort of awful and out of time to start the show is probably a good call because this does feel a little bit like day three or four of the festival and you're squeezing your way, your back, way back into a pair of pants that you didn't, you know, you've, they are already worn and, and feeling worse for wear. Um, but you've just got to get them back on and, and get through the day. And um, that's sort of what talking about, going, moving ourselves back to talking about current day Sheffield Wednesday feels a little bit like. For the first time in a long time, I think we've got to put ourselves on an official news footing. Breaking hoo-hoos. Relatively breaking hoo-hoos. A broken hoo-hoos. <laughs> yes, yeah. Broke a month ago, but we're going to say it now like it's new. Um, yeah, there's a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that we took the approach to have our wee dalliance summer of fun, our wee mm. kind of summer romances, looking at times that remind us that why we support Sheffield Wednesday and that <laughs> there are some good times amidst, uh, amidst the plethora of bad news 
that we typically have. But um, I was kind of conscious. I, I think for a while it seemed like there was a lot of <clears throat> there was a lot of no kind of confirmation of what was happening at the club. It seemed like yeah. I'm sure things were definitely happening behind the scenes. It seemed like we always live in this world of kind of dumbhouse and saying I, I understand there's lots of work behind the scenes. <laughs> you know, it's like something like that, and then we'd be like, yeah, but it's just it's there's been a lot of us dumb. You know, not that not yeah. that I'm directly putting the any blame on uh, the work of former Star reporter and Examiner Life reporter Doc Dom Housen. Um, not that I'm putting any blame on his doorstep. But you like doing the impression, and it's nice to have an excuse to rock it out, and it's a good one. It's a good impression. <laughs> it's indeed understanding, James. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good. Um, so, <laughs> but it just it it does feel like we're perpetually kind of kept in the dark about what's going on or it seems like things are not particularly moving on very quickly i mean i must say i'm still yeah. surprised now that we've we've made that we'll get onto it but we've made as many signings that we have we've had <clears throat> are you have you started to weirdly get some flashbacks of last summer but just in terms of this we should go through the signings but we made like a flurry mm. of signings and then nothing for a long long time yeah and then yeah, eventually it's, it's, we did sort of make some signings, I think, like just before the deadline. And I'm a bit worried we're sort of slumping into that again. But I think when we look at eventually look at the transfer signings and what happens with that, it's always going to be the same. For I think for the same reasons we're told. Again, I don't understand the nature. I think we're still fans who don't really understand the nature of transfer dealings and why yeah. there's so much brinksmanship. And I suppose transfers will come in as and when. Like I've seen some people really moaning about the latest transfer and sort of saying, "But we need X, Y, and Z." All yeah, still. I know. And it's like, well, th th this doesn't really directly relate to X, Y, and Z. No, and and it doesn't preclude X, Y, and Z. It's not like exactly we need X, Y, and Z. So we got we got J squared, you know. And you and you wouldn't go. No, thank you, J squared, because we've got to get X, Y, and Z done first. Because there's no mm. the timing of it doesn't matter so and much. Like getting we've, just, the right people. we've just signed hashtag. <laughs> we signed we signed the ampersand symbol. Yeah, you know. sadly we missed out on umlaut. <laughs> <laughs> well, umlaut's out the door as we're uh, we'll get on to right. Well, actually, yes, 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 Mister Umlaut. Ah, mm. uh, so. Mm. I've got a um, a veritable smuggers board of uh, of news. Um, I don't know which bits and pieces should uh, should I try and go for sort of level of prominence to so from lowest level of prominence to the the most important items. Does that make a sense of some sort? Oh, yeah, I mean we could have done chronologically, but it's been a bit of a kind of weird. Just, things, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, I like it. Okay. You prioritize away. Hopefully, there there's an element of build. Can you give me a bit of a top of the pops feel? Are you going from lowest to highest? There's a new goalkeeping coach. That feels pretty low stakes. It is low stakes, yeah. What do you think of having a new goalkeeping coach? Well, always with any any uh, goalkeeper coach that comes into the club of a certain age, I always generally just think, can you can you put on some gloves and uh, yes, get in, you know. We always ask the question, can it be any worse? Can it get any worse than the current goalkeeping options? And maybe we Do need you... a reminder. Maybe we need like an old pro to just be 
completely <laughs> past it and just ruined themselves by doing such a thing. I don't know. But if we tried it for one game, how much difficult, how much worse would it be than what we've, you know, if we lose a game by four or five nil as opposed to two nil, two, three nil, then yeah. what, you know, what, what great margins would we have? I'd, I'd like to see it. It would give me a bit of a, an uptick. So, I mean, goalkeeper coach is weird because I don't think we've really had anyone at the club since probably Andy Rhodes who's really had kind of like a strong claim to it and then seemed to have like a strong piece in the fabric of the kind of coaching system who the fans kind of seem aware of and seems to be kind of wildly accepted for what he's done. So, I mean, who else have we had previous to this? I mean, we've had Weaver. Well, yeah, Weaver Weaver's was, was last season and um, I think it's sort of been his role since Rhodes left, hasn't it? Well, um, we had the brief break for, I think Monk brought someone in, didn't he? Oh, did he? He did indeed. And that was someone who was an elderly, an elderly goalkeeper, but, uh, you know, still young in, in the in the world, I should say, but kind of past oh, the age of playing. I can't remember oh, who it I was. do vaguely remember now, yeah. You do vaguely remember, yes. Yep, I do, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so Adriano Basso is our... Mm-hmm. The new man mm-hmm. and Nicky Weaver's gone back to his academy role that he'd held previously, um, which was basically kind of giving up our kind of main goalkeeping options anyway. So, how much of a difference is that as it stands, really? Because the first team have basically all been from the academy. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, because I, I I feel like Rhodes, we know he had a personal because. He's. I think both managers, both uh, both players said as much. He had a personal role in Kirkland and Westwood coming to Wednesday. Mm. <laughs> so that's a pretty big check in his kind of pro column. They were both fantastic goalkeepers for us. Mm. Um, you know, now that we can look back on the Westwood experiment with a bit of those old, those old rose-tinted uh, glasses that we hold for the past... Mm-hmm. Um, and forget the the, the, the sort of tail end of things. And absolutely, you know, no, undoubtedly one of the best goalkeepers outside of the Premier League for times, you know, for, for, for part of his time with us, and, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe one of the best in the country at, at various moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fantastic. How much coaching is involved there? Who knows? But I think there was also the a bit of credit given that we were nurturing a crop of younger goalkeepers coming through as well. I don't think that's come to fruition, has it? And I think that possibly reflects not the so well thing with, Weaver and yeah. his, his The difficult thing I think then comes with Dawson and Wildsmith is, well, I mean, I guess looking back to, to Weaver is how much can you actually attribute to, you know, to coaching? <laughs> you know, coaching does some effects. Coaching is not going to turn, you know, these dusty coals into diamonds, right? I suppose, and I mean the thing I want to get onto is saying that definitely Dawson Wildsmith are of some quality. It's mm. just they've never been of the quality that we need, really. So, I mean, there's the question that we, you know, we sink lower into the abyss, like further down the football league pyramid, and yes. you know, into League One at this stage. And how good are they for this level? I don't... Which is the overall general question with the squad and the youngsters. It is. It is a. It's a good question. I don't know. It's a strange because I, I feel like goalkeeping is a little bit more of an absolute. I think at the very top end, there's other things a goalkeeper is bringing, particularly mm. now. 
like a, a, a goalkeeper is a footballer for the big, the best teams. He is basically like quarterback. You know, he's pinging passes around and he's as much a part of build-up play as anybody else on the pitch. I sort of feel like lower end of championship, League One, mm. and probably even League Two, I don't know that there's masses of difference in the quality of goalkeeping because I don't think the job gets that much harder. I don't think strikers are that much better. But that, I don't know. I mean, that that is kind of... It's a bit of <laughs> having watched lots of football at different levels. But it's also... It's also a lot of gut feeling and kind of a finger in the air. I, don't, I mean, I, I know this. Goalkeeping is a very much an art to itself, uh, which is part of football, but also quite separate from football in some ways. Um, I just don't know. I mean, it's traits and habits. The, the thing that both of them seem to have, and I don't know whether this is a learned thing or just bad. I don't know whether this is a bad habit you sink into or whether it's an inherent problem but both Wildsmith and Dawson keep the ball in play when they save it and that to me almost feels like too much coaching or like a lazy coach who doesn't want to have to go and go and get the ball back Mm. like you what you want to do is deal with the ball and get it as far away from the goal as possible surely not keep it in the middle of the between the two sticks and it both of them do that too much. They give you that second chance. They give you that opportunity. And then I think Wildsmith in particular, we've, 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 I've bored people to death talking about his near post obsession. Hmm. But like that, that, those do both feel to me a little bit like learned behaviours. Yeah. Because what you probably can't teach is reflexes and a, a kind of innate reading of the game. But what you pro- what you can teach, I think, is positioning and technique. And with Wildsmith, it's a positioning problem. With Dawson, it's a technique problem. He's making the saves. Hmm. He's just making them with. His, I mean, basically, you know, to get to down to brass tacks, he's pointing his hands in the wrong direction when he makes his saves. Like if his if his hands were flattened out, you presumably would go behind him or to the to the side of him. But he's palming it back to people which maybe but from I, a simplistic perspective from ourselves these feel like coachable moments right that's what i would say yeah mm. beyond that then you've got are they you know, are you working with something good enough that it's worth you know that it's worth putting the hours in it's worth making those adaptations but we're in a situation where we ha- at the moment we have to make the best of what we've got Mm. I hope he can bring something. I hope he can do something. Sure. But, but, but I think that was largely the kind of perspective when I'm, I'm trying to find out who those people were. Because Munkin, it was... That was the summer of 2020, a, right? He brought a whole bunch of people in. He brought some yeah. set of coaching staff and then, you know, people were then relegated to the academies. People like Lee Bullen, you know, Neil Thompson. I think they were kind of a lot closer to the first team previously because he didn't have his people in play. And Nicky Weaver was a goalkeeping coach, right? Daryl Flahaven. Daryl Flahaven, yes. There we go. Formerly, uh, he was a Bournemouth, Bournemouth goalkeeper for a long time. Bournemouth. Have you been in North America long enough that you say Bournemouth? Bournemouth. Edinburgh and Bournemouth. Well, I just call it Bournemouth because that's the general joke, isn't Bournemouth. it? Bournemouth, yeah. yeah it's Bournemouth. Um, yeah. So at that point, Tommy Lee went to... Sheffield United. Right, because it's Tommy Lee. 
It was interesting because I know at one point we had Tommy Lee and Nikki Weaver. And yeah. that was interesting just for the fact that talking about kind of reject memory was, it was the Nikki Weaver, Tommy Lee, uh, JPT penalty shootout from between Wednesday and Chesterfield. Of course, yes. And Weaver wanged his home with the spirit of Kevin Pressman and Tommy Lee rifled, rifled into the upper reaches of the cop in that situation. So I suppose if we're, yeah, we're talking kind of coach, coach, coaches moving around. Um, the other bit of news we've had, and this is more recent, is that Paul Williams, first team coach, has left the club for personal reasons. So it seemed to happen fairly kind of haphazardly. Um, mm. It was Darren Moore just kind of saying, "By the way," at the end of a an interview or a press conference. "By the way, he's gone." Um, I, I mean, it's we don't know what coaches do on a day-to-day basis but I'm a bit disappointed by this one because I think Paul Williams in particular came with a bit of a reputation of having a hand in uh, some decent academy players coming through to first team football was it Southampton he was linked he he had a previous link with I think he was let's say yes and then I can just confirm that while you keep talking (laughs) (laughs) so I, I just yeah I just sort of remember that it being it was something of note that he'd you know he'd he'd had this um, he'd had this history and and uh, it was it was a good thing you know really he was a good get at the time mm-hmm. uh, but obviously it's not to be I mean I wonder how much extra pressure there was with the the COVID situation and and Darren Moore missing chunks of time uh, probably sort of made it quite intense to be a member You'd hear a rumour that he wanted to be closer to home. Which is fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever the reason, I mean, it doesn't seem to be anything sort of nefarious, but it's just, as we're just on a kind of a, a, a selfish Wednesday level, it's a, it's just a bit of a shame that um, supposedly, you know, someone of note within the game has uh, has departed. And I suppose we'll see what, what if there's any incomings to, to replace him. Um, I'm now picking through my smorgasbord. Uh, I can I can tell you a bit about uh, uh, this. Is oh uh, well, I suppose we should talk friend, uh, talk signings before we should t- we should we should talk friendlies. But um, uh, we've had the positive side of things that we've had a couple of players back from injuries. Uh, I offer is back and slowly getting worked into the 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 team, the first team picture. Same with Luongo. They'll be both. Very nice to have back if they're able to stay fit. It's a big, big if from particularly Luongo's point of view. Um, but they'll feel like like having new signings, won't they, to borrow an old adage? Exactly, yeah. I think, um, I don't know, but it's weird. I kind of come into the mentality that the players get so far out of kind of circulation, you just kind of forget that they still exist and they're still there within the club and then there's still legitimate options to play in the future. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Iorfa's had two kind of very serious injuries during his fo- your footballing career. He's obviously still very young. It's a real benefit to still have him at the club contracted for another year to see what happens there. Um, a little bit disappointed for a player who we had, we managed to kind of pick up and dust off and, and get for a real song. And then yes. looking like we would sell him for multi-million multi-million deal yeah. to a before broke. club before he broke down in a very typical kind of Sheffield Wednesday fashion. So disappointing there, Luongo, who I think you've mentioned previously, never really had any great kind of bad 
injury record and was very kind no. of a mainstay around the QPR team and probably, you know, before that looking at Swindon as well. So pretty much consistent, you know, well over 30 game a season performer for those clubs. Yeah. 30, 35 games a season kind of on average, pretty steady. And now suddenly it just looks comes to Sheffield Wednesday and uh trades all that time on the pitch for time in the in the treatment table. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> love to know the story behind how that sort of thing happens but uh mm-hmm. how you go from being kind of ever present for so long did we also manage to lose i think we also managed to lose a physio didn't we i think did we? Also a little bit of news i think the physio who's been there since the time of carverhall oh yes departed so i think that's happened i don't know i'm sure they were working on a replacement because lord knows when you need a physio yeah <laughs> Well, that, I suppose that was a bit of controversy, wasn't it, around the time of uh, Carlos, because he cleared out the physio staff and then brought in his own, and it didn't seem to make any difference to injury problems. But I think his his indication was that he was sort of being told that players couldn't play when he thought they could or they could play longer than etc. But um, yes, okay, potentially a divisive figure, but but yes, we've also we've also lost. <laughs> a member of the physio team there as well so um yeah a, a strange summer in many ways and i think we have to talk about this at some point uh so th- there's also been this ongoing saga uh where it seemed like very few of the players were paid for certain months um and then some people were paid back and then I believe the situation we're in now is that everybody has been paid back, but then there was also a question of whether they'd been paid by somebody else that was not Chancery. And I don't know that we've ever seen any more information on that. It was just a kind of something put out there by uh, Kieran Maguire, um, just very tantalizingly. And I don't know that it's ever been followed up sufficiently. What do you? What do you? What have you made of that whole saga? I know we talked a little bit about it before the before the end of the season because it had started to bite. And um, one of the big questions is how how much of a part did that play in the relegation? Because motivating yourself for a job where you're not getting paid for the work you do is a struggle for anybody, um, regardless of how nice the potential wage is. Um, but yeah, what 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 more is there to say, Luke? Is there anything? Well, to I mean, add? you know, we we do have to kind of keep in mind that you know we are under a suspended points deduction, right? Yeah. So there's this kind of if we do it again, we will be in real trouble. But we we seem to have avoided trouble for the the past misses, which is maybe a let off in many ways. Yeah, and then we had a more substantial one than you know we had six points as opposed to given to Derby of three points, yeah. which was due to the length of time which it happened. Derby, well, Derby football clubs seem to be in a whole heap of shit, and it seems to kind of really be a very much a repetition of kind of what happens on Wednesday. I was thinking about this this morning that, you know, I think there was, I saw some of their fans or the news articles complaining about the fact that they really have some stringent um, limits yeah. on who they can sign and bring into the club with thanks to wages and everything to be clarified with EFL. And it's really funny when you get kind of situations with problems of FFP that comes over clubs when you've actually been through it yourself. You really yes. don't give that much of a shit about other people's problems. 
I must say it kind of came up and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I really don't really care a great deal. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, they were in that weird situation, weren't they? I don't know if you saw that. That was, I think it has since been, they've eased up the regulations on them, but they were in a strange situation where they weren't able to field a team or they were barely able to field a team in the cop. So they put out, due to COVID, um, a, a COVID outbreak. Mm. So they put out the kids in a in a in a you know lambs to the slaughter in a cup game, mm-hmm. and then because they're under a pretty hefty embargo, uh, there are rules to let you. The, the idea of an embargo is to punish you, but still leave you with a functioning football team. So there are rules within the embargo to let you kind of make up the, the the space to get up to 23 first team players but i think they had eight first team players proper first team players mm. but what what the efl were saying was or, or the fa i don't i can't remember who but technically because these these kids had all played yes. one game of football they were professionals so no, you know you don't have a squad of eight players you've got eight players plus all these lovely under 23s that have kicked a ball once in anger um but I think they have let up on that since. Uh, Derby seem to be getting a lot of the same punishments as us, but at a lesser level. And I'm start, I, I think that's that's the only thing from the outside that I'm looking. You know, the only attention yeah. I'm playing from the outside is, well, how come they seem to be, keep getting away with things? How come it's only three points for them and it's six points for us? Um, and they also kind of went round the whole kind of argument around amortization. They yeah. did the same thing that we did, but they did it properly regarding selling the yes. selling the ground to the chairman. But then basically it seems like there's that whole question around amortization, which uh, is a miracle I managed to pronounce correctly just then, to be <laughs> honest. Um, the second miracle behind that is, yeah, like how do you, I, I think the argument is basically that they've kind of cooked the books, basically, but then seemingly oh, yeah. they've kind of got away with it. yeah. Going back to Sheffield Wednesday's issues, I mean, there's, yes. there's been a lot of rumors around this time regarding payment of wages. It seems to come through very quickly because basically the points deduction would have come straight into effect as of the beginning of this month, uh, July 2021. I think something by the 6th of July. So that kind of clarified the situation why the way the remaining wages were paid as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, rumors, 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 rumors that... Dejan Chansiri wasn't actually paying the wages fully. Yeah. Don't know if that's kind of been countered or whether some other sources are saying, no, that's true. Um, kind of a lot of time we kind of look to one of the national journalists who seems to be relatively ITK, though sometimes we're unsure as to whether how much direct yeah. kind of information he gets. That's Alan Nixon of The Sun, who mentioned the fact that basically, no, uh, Chansiri is very wealthy, is very loaded. So he yeah. couldn't really seem to get his idea around. Uh, there was some stuff people talking about. I know someone on Al's talk was mentioning how it, it could be some situation in Thailand right now, which makes it difficult to get money out of the country. That could well be well, a situation. We heard, we heard that. that. That was the, the excuse the first time, wasn't it? The first When that first, that first isolated incident. Right. So, isolated incident um podcast not a great medium to do inverted commas in the air on um (laughs) (laughs) but that was supposedly you know moving money around internationally blah 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 i i don't think that counts for i i think 
<laughs> what we what little we know of Dep John Chancery. I think he's let down by the player. I mean, we're all let down by these, this group of players. I think he's angry. And I think he's sort of had a bit of a fit of peak and said, well, if you're not going to work, I'm not going to pay you. Mm. Um, it's backfired. It's been a terrible choice. But i that's what it feels like to me. I, I'd be surprised if well... it's not... And how does it suddenly get cleared up? That's the thing. If it's an international, can't money, move money out of Thailand, and then suddenly yeah. the EFL goes, do you know what? There's a points deduction, and then it all gets cleared up. Does that? Does it? Does the word of Rick Parry move the international markets? <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe his, <laughs> maybe his deep kind of international stock trading and focus on the Birkenstock markets is. Uh, <laughs> I think that keeps a lot more money flowing around in the world than me and you. Me and you know about Rich. <laughs> um yeah no i think that sounds good but i mean that's the whole thing it's like it's never been unless you've actually stipulated stipulated a system for the players to be a performance-based system yeah okay then it's not that it's it seems a remarkably poor choice for things to do but then i mean there have been a lot of decisions that have been remarkably poor choices he's had some good decisions we yeah. kind of forget that i mean um a while ago a while ago, the beginning and the kind of experiments that were taken on, it seemed an ex- inextric- inex- eh, inexplicably bad idea to sack Stuart Gray and bring in Carlos Cavajal. Mm. That seemed to blossom. And we also remember kind of in between the time, it seemed worrying that we were probably getting Mark Cooper, the Sheffield Wednesday manager. That oh. seemed to be one thing around that time. So it was an approach. It was an approach that looked like it was going to work. It didn't pay off. I think it could well have been better supported with a bit more of a kind of a look at kind of a long-term vision. Um, I think one of the things around this time, actually, that's kind of come out recently is the fact that there was a meeting in May with a Sheffield Wednesday supporter panel, which minutes have just been produced. So that's kind of cropped up in the local media, not the full minutes, but a little bit around Chan Series long-term vision for the club, which is basically to make themselves sustainable. Um, He has kind of talked about regarding that i mean i can kind of agree with him to a certain level and i think we've gone down this road before him saying that look if you have to get promoted you have to break ffp that is the nature of the beast yeah um you know and it he he is right in saying it's interesting we talk about a lot about kind of rise of inflation of costs but basically saying that all this situation comes down and you compete with all these people who have increasingly large uh, parachute payments from the Premier League, the three teams that come down, and it's not increased from thirteen million pounds a season. I think that's the thing you've mentioned before. Like the yeah. fact that that hasn't been reevaluated is pretty, pretty poor. It's pretty piss poor from the EFL. I must say, it's it's a very, it's a very arbitrarily low number. I would say, what is yeah. a decent number amount of money to lose is a difficult question to answer. Absolutely, but it's clearly not fair when. It's in the name. It's supposed to be in the name. It's supposed to be financial fair yes, play. Yes, yes. But there's just there's no fairness about it. Well, I, 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 yeah. Weirdly, I saw some. I mean, I suppose this is the unfortunately the situation we've got mm. into with the lack of communication, and then when we have communication, it's very poor quality communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw some people saying that that you know sort of questioning the 
truth of that and saying, you know, all oh, teams get promoted and don't have problems with... The only reason they don't have problems with financial fair play is they've got promoted. You escape the... You escape the system. Grasp yeah. of the football league yeah. by getting out. That's the, that's why yeah. you don't hear about promoted teams getting into that trouble. And then you've got then you cash your lovely big check. So for the next four years, mm-hmm. even if you go go up and come straight down, your money bags for the next four years. Yeah. And then we talked about like um I think you've talked about this before, call back to previous kind of tame different gravy running gags, but you know, it's yeah. the Dukes of Hazard getting over the county line. Yes. And that, that happened for Aston Villa. Aston Villa were impeccably close to being fucked for the next season if they would if they would have failed if they would have failed that playoff run that and yeah and we see, we will see the bite of that for a good few teams this season because Swansea rolled the dice and failed Stoke rolled the dice and failed mm. there's going to be repercussions of certain clubs who it was their last bite of the delicious parachute payment cherry and um you know they're going to have to live the ho home life and uh that there's going to be some that you know there's they they are going to be in a situation where they've got whopping people you know whopping uh, wage bills and no source of income to to balance them out. Hashtag so, ho hum life. Ho hum life. <laughs> also, yeah. Swansea City, who Steve Cooper has left recently. Mm. People are wondering about what's happened with that. I'm wondering whether the financial situation kind of means that they can't really support having someone Possibly. of his you know, kind of aspirations at the club from having a pretty decent early record managing Swansea. So maybe he, it's the time that he thinks that he departs the club and tries tries keeping his stock intact because he know it's going to be a, a difficult next yeah, season for Swansea City Football Club. And, you know, maybe he's turned his nose up at it, but which would be difficult to see because his face is naturally quite, <laughs> quite ugly. Looks like it's been, uh, was it face like a welder's bench? Like, uh, what's this chap who, was it Luke Chadwick, who used to play for? Yes. Manchester oh, yeah, United. the real look of Luke, of, of Chadwick. The look, the look of Chadwick. <laughs> but then the thing I was going to say, just to finish off, actually, one point I kind of forgot to make, just talking about that. Wednesday being self-sustainable. I mean, we can still give great complaints, but the fact that I basically said, well, there's no way to make financial fair play. I'm like, yeah, but we could have actually made it a lot more palatable ourselves for moving on moving on and having that churn, you know, selling a Forestieri, selling an Adam Reach. Yeah. You know, a number of times we could have flogged a few jewels to make a few quid. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't paid close attention to the books at Brentford, but obviously that is about... <laughs> Brentford get looked at because that feels like a model that could work and not have you leaking money constantly. Mm-hmm. But then every, they are only... They have had a tremendous run at it, and uh, I suppose you can put some of that down to sort of getting the right, employing the right people in the right situations. Their scouting Mm -hmm. network obviously works, but they're only one or two failed signings away from being just as crap as anybody else. It only takes right and logically argument around you know for the the kind of cognizant last five years of us being Wednesdayites of of being Wednesdayites in the championship. And being fans of a championship club that's around of Brentford, mm. and probably lots of other fans are saying this, are saying, "Well, it's not working right now." Yeah, like I never knew if this was the case for for Peterborough, but Peterborough seemed to be kind of like a League One Brentford. 
Yes, yeah, for a long time because it seemed like they had this amazing scouting network. They signed players for you know some mild gambles, and then nine times out of ten, they seem to shift those players on for big money. Like you've got Ivan Tony, yeah, um, even 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 Jack Mario to a lesser yes. degree. You know, from yeah. he's now gone back there, which is very look funny. at the Iorfa situation. Mm. If something like that happens, so Brentford, your whole business model is. We build, we slowly build, build, and eventually we'll get, you know, eventually, hopefully, we'll get promoted. How 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 it works in the Premier League will remains to be seen. But the 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 idea, the sort of ten year project of bringing the best talents from League One, give them a chance to shine in an attacking football team, flog them at the end of the season or after two seasons while they've still got a peak of value, and invest that. 20 million or whatever you sell your striker for in the next round so you make probably 15 million profit you get to buy the best players from league one with what's left kind of thing mm-hmm. that's great but what like if what what happened to i offer you've got a player that scored his 20 goals he's got you know he's got he's a twinkle in the eye of southampton with their money to burn but then he breaks his leg all of a sudden your business model is now 20 million pounds down and oh, guess what? The financial fair play limit is not a million miles off from that twenty million that you wanted to put in your bank account. Do you know, like, it, it, there's they've done tremendously well, but I also think they've had an incredible run of it. I think they've been through about four iterations of signing a great striker, selling them on for a big profit, and buying the next one, which is tremendous. But at some point, that would have failed. At some point, they would have bought a player that just didn't do it. It's just the fact of life or somebody would have had a terrible injury because unfortunately that can happen as well um anyway i don't know how what, what how we got there really but yeah it's life is tough and um <laughs> trying to do it trying to do it sustainably feels almost impossible uh but in terms of speaking of youth should we talk about some signings is that an exciting thing to do do we want to do all the signings at once or do we want to do one signing at at a time and drop them in? Let's look at one signing at a time. Okay. So first up was Dennis Adeniran. Uh, I went with Adeniran, but I have no basis on how to pronounce his name. Well, I was going to say I'm almost my local media to say. And I've got to ask, how do we pronounce your name? Yeah, well, don't we normally get like... I know we've had some good videos, like you're admiring the... Uh, well... The, spoiler alert, Luke admired the kit launch video. Mm. Um, <laughs> please don't switch off because uh, he will talk a little bit more about it, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but we don't seem to have that guy that, you, that with the voice that I, I'm not going to be able to do the voice, but we've had the same guy doing those player interviews at the training ground forever, it feels like. Is that Trevor Braithwaite, the Wednesday it's video? Trevor Braithwaite. It probably is Trevor Braithwaite, yes. Mm. I'm putting things together now. Um, so, yeah, that's where you normally get, like, so how do we say your name? But anyway, a sort of a defensive midfielder, a kind of action midfielder, mm. um, released by Everton, but snapped up by ourselves. And he spent last season in this le- in the league above, in fact, didn't he, with, uh, with, with Wickham Wanderers. So... Seems a decent get. I'm very impressed with this one, um, especially a player who I think previously I believe. So we got him from we got him from Everton, 
right? It was Everton's academy. That's right, yeah. Well, no, but I think Everton actually signed him at an even younger age a few years back for about £4 million from Fulham. Wow. Such was the promise and the potential. If I'm led to believe that's correct, I'm going to look that up while we're going to talk about it. But I, I mean, last season he spent kind of around half a season or maybe it was a full season on loan with uh, Wickham. I think did a very, very good, promising job for himself at that point. So, yeah, they did manage to sign sign him in 2017 from from Fulham, and I think I heard a figure around of about four million pounds. It's one of these that uh, it's it, 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 like the 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 potential figure was four million, but yeah, four million yes. is definitely there. So but someone signed and and seen as like a big promise, and then but seemingly not kind of given any kind of great chance. For, and Everton have a pretty decent kind yeah. of academy and kind of roots into the kind of first team from what I kind of understand about them. Or at least They've also got a pretty club. decent midfield though, so it's a bit it's tough to get in there, I guess. As a, it is true, yeah. But I mean, everything just seems to tick a lot of boxes with me. A lot of young promise, but then also kind of looked pretty decent mm. in the middle of the park for Wickham in a kind of difficult kind of situation and was there for a kind of very strong kind of finish of the season, which... You know, saw Wickham do better than we did, and nearly actually kind of escape. Yeah, escape the relegation, which everyone had basically nailed on for them from the championship. So I'm really excited about this. Some young energy and industry in the middle of the park. I think is exactly what we needed. Especially, we just had continually a very stale, uh, tepid, tepid old man, <laughs> Zimmer framed midfield. Yes, it seems to kind of just feel that kind of rot set in. Just like they're just slowly turning into stone. I feel like it's like a timed release <laughs> view from Medusa. From Medusa, basically, they've classed a look at her, that Gorgon, and uh, they're they're gone. They're done. Well, they're uh, I, I think slowly br- turning into into stone. <laughs> I think he brings a, a a physicality, a muscularity that I don't think anybody. I mean, muscularity, fantastic. I think Hutch used to, you know, that's how he played the game, you know, puffed out chest and, bounce, you know, people bounced off him. Hutch has not been able to do that for a little while and certainly not since his return in midfield. But it, so we've, we've, we've missed that level of sort of physicality, but I also think he's a better athlete than we've seen in that position. Probably, yeah, pr- probably since sort of Semedo, I would think. He, he, he plays at a pace uh i don't think yeah it's a long time since we've seen anybody with any pace in our midfield um i think from my brief sort of watching of him he had a knack for just for cutting off channels he had a knack for popping up and nicking the ball off people um he he mainly sort of kept it simple so just worked it to bannon and let bannon play the pass the, the big pass kind of thing but he also looked like he's probably got enough of an engine to to get up and support attacks if if and when it's needed whether he's got any ability in that regard I'm, I'm not sure um but seems a very very positive signing and what a great mm-hmm. place to sort of start things off for us as well uh as a as a team i'm wondering if this is the whole thing that i i kind of think about is i'm wondering about really the pleasure of coming into the season with darren moore i'm really glad that we we haven't. I'm, I'm not sure we've ever really, you know, especially in a very difficult season, he took over, and you know him, him having a lengthy battle with with the coronavirus mm. and the disruption that it's had in a very kind of disrupted league schedule. 
within a team that's been disrupted by not being played painfully at times. I think the benefit, and this seems to be the appeal of what people talk about with Darren Moore, is that he's going to have a lot of appeal for young players coming to the club. I'm also wondering as well, I was just kind of doing a bit of searching this and wondering about Dennis Adoniran seems very, very Christian. Well, that's going to be a factor, isn't it? And I think it's a factor with um, goalkeeping coach as well. Um, yeah, very prominent Christian within the game is Darren Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to an extent, he's a, he's a, there is a rarity. We've talked about the fact that, you know, in passing a couple of times, it, it's a rarity to have a black manager. So... Mm. Um, there's a, there's a there's a level of it shouldn't be inspiring, but there's a level of inspiration there as well, um, and, yeah. and hope that's part of an appeal to 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 some of the young players as as well. Especially since as we go on to you know uh, three of these four players are of you know are, of, yeah. <laughs> are yes. effectively not 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 white yes. that way. You know, I'm unsure. I'm unsure about. We stumbled through there, Luke. Yeah, I I trying to make a kind of blanket statement about people's races, which uh, is a little bit uncomfortable, as you can imagine, me kind of doing. But I just I think, and especially for someone like that, I think it's gonna show something that's gonna show a real appeal, and that's fantastic to see because I just think that's something we've been crying out on. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm less keen. I'm less keen historically for the fact Wednesday has for about 30 odd years, about 30 years almost for various shades of this being, or maybe the last kind of 25 we can kind of look at being a bit of a retirement home for players. Yeah. Yeah. Last big payday. Yeah. And it's been difficult. I think we've had, we have had some positives with bringing some kind of older heads in for more kind of experience who've applied themselves and done well, but typically it's not gone very well for Sheffield Wednesday. Well, it, we 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 talked about some of them in our kind of memories uh, episode and and uh, looking at the history in the summer. You know, that Waddle was a, a good old age when he joined us. Sure, obviously Francis. Um, he he did the sort of maybe the perfect thing in signing a an old head is he then becomes the manager. Um, but uh, but we remember the times where it works, but we can remember countless more times where it doesn't work. Well, well I suppose what, what I'm saying, though, is even when it works, there's not that... Bringing in a young player, you, you presumably it's less wages. Um, you know, you'd hope it's less wages. The, if it doesn't work out, you've paid them less wages, then they leave. If it does work out, you pay them less wages and then there's a payday. But for an older player, you're paying them a lot more in wages, probably the peak salary of their career. If it works out, you get a couple of years out of them, then they go on a free. If it doesn't work out, you paid all that money and you get nothing. Like you get nothing either way. There's no payoff for an older player either way. But in a good scenario, signing a younger player that's got good years ahead of them, there's a potential next round of, of uh, you know, they may fund your next rebuild, mm-hmm. which is what we talked about, I guess, a, a little bit with the, the Brentford sort of ideal. But, you know, signing a player at 22 on a three or four year contract means that he will be probably at his peak by the time that contract's coming to an end. And you either then sign a player that you get another good three, four years out of, or you've got a sellable asset. The, the, Chancery era has been smattered with non-saleable assets. It's all just people eking out those final days, and you can't mm-hmm. get rid of them. 
mm-hmm. even if you want to. Um, no, I, I mean, you don't want to, we don't know enough to, to get too overexcited, but I think lots of very positive signs and uh, seems like a really good addition. Seems like the sort of player we've probably been asking for since since Wembley. I think so. Uh, and I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, on a slightly more kind of flair side, you know, Fizzy's still with the club. Yeah. You know, we can't discount and forget about him. He's had a very stuttering, kind of disappointing first season, but I don't think that's yeah. whole... I, I do not think that's been his fault. I think that's been some... I, I still don't know why we didn't see more of him last season, I must admit. No. But, I mean, but it, it really feels... And it's difficult for me because I, I think, again, talking about Luongo, um, if, we, if we look at the midfield characters now, as it stands, in case anyone else is leaving, you know, Hutchinson's here for another year. We have yeah. Bannon for another two years. Um, as it stands, Luongo's here for another season. Mm-hmm. If he can stay fit, um, then you know we're going down the ranks. We're looking at uh, FDB. He's going to yeah. be here, and then there's Alex Hunt, and now we've got Adoniran. So yeah. that's that's really strong. And I, I think the real benefit of this to think about is a bit similar. I mean, we haven't made any transfers there, but it, it would feel a bit like how it would be if we signed a new goalkeeper. Yeah. To think that in a certain sense, to a certain quality, we have bodies there, but it does, doesn't feel like we have a great strength in that department. So now it feels like we really have a strength in that department. And I think that's something yes. we've been really been crying out for for a number of seasons. Yeah. So to finally go and to finally sign someone who can, can meet that is fantastic. And that to make that our first signing, I think is something really special. So it really just kind of adds to the excitement of what we've done. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I got, I had the uh, lovely opportunity living in Chester to, to go along to the Chester friendly, uh, which is one of the, one of only two friendlies that we've won uh, this preseason. <laughs> so that was a nice thing. to <laughs> It was nice to be back in a stadium. It was all done very safely. And there was like every other row was taken out. Um, and then there was gaps between people on their own row. So you really didn't. I mean, what was a slightly frustrating was it felt like we could have done that all along. Yeah. Um, I don't know that stadiums ever really needed to close uh, totally. But then I suppose there is obviously a level of attendance that's needed to make it worthwhile opening a, a stadium. But um, it certainly didn't feel at risk being in the ground watching the game. Um Maybe bunching up at concourses and things like that is a different matter. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's my little soapbox moment. Um, lovely to be in a stadium. It was a lovely day. Chester are a very sort of sweet club in many ways, um, including the fact that always around the sort of 65th minute, the announcer thanks the other team for coming and um, making the game happen, which is which is just lovely. <laughs> Wishes them well for the rest of the season. So he does that during the league uh, matches as well. But, um, you know, thank you very much to Sheffield Wednesday for coming along today and making today's fixture possible. We wish them all the very best to look for the season ahead. Um, just uh, It's just quite sweet. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and we played basically what you would expect to be the first team there or thereabouts first half. Um, and Adeniran, um, however we're... T- Dennis, <laughs> Den uh, was Den uh, Den 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 Den. Yeah, um, 
Den was in midfield with uh, Baz. That's how we refer to all the players is by a shortened version of their first name, and it makes life easier. <laughs> um, and it it was it felt like a decent sort of run out. The whole game was played at a good pace. We we made wholesale changes second half. Um, apart from Dunkley stayed on in the second for most of the second half. He played till about the hour mark, and then get. Galvin came back on and played left-sided centre-back. Um, I thought Galvin looked really good. I thought Galvin looked decent against Celtic as well. I, I managed to watch some of that feed, uh, despite it being in, in working hours. Um, and the second half, I really enjoyed. We had a lot of pace to our play. Uh, that's where we had a couple... We had, um, I think we had Shodipo came on as part of that, as mm-hmm. was a at the time. Um, it just there was a good, real good sort of pace to that team. It helped that obviously they were playing against a team that were entering their second half of because uh, Chester didn't make all of the same changes. Um, but I, I much preferred the way we played that second half. Hunt looked really a, a class above, um, found lots of space and played some really nice passes. Uh, Delhi Bashiru looked very dangerous and got absolutely hammered at one point, uh, doing his doing one of his little runs, drives into the box. And then it was from his, one of his drives into the box that we scored as well. Adedoyan sort of poked home after he uh, he caused a bit of chaos. Um, but I thought Adedoyan looked good. Hagen looked really nippy. Um, and, we, and we looked solid enough at the back. And Wildsmith was really talking a lot. And so was, um, so was Brennan. Brennan was like ordering Dunkley about, which I kind of liked. So it was interesting. I mean, as I say, it's we won two 0 against a uh, conference north t- team, which was good. Um, earlier in that week, we got beat three one by Celtic. We beat Alfreton one uh, nil with with Green doing uh, doing what I think what I worry will be his only thing he does the, the, in the season in scoring the goal. And since then, I mean, I know they don't mean anything, but we've been beat by Barnsley and not it's uh, beat by Barnsley and not scored a goal in the last, uh, and uh, also beat by uh, West Brom and not scored a goal in the last two friendlies. We were supposed to play Wrexham this weekend, that was called off because of COVID mm-hmm. cases in their camp. Um, so we've got Port Vale on Tuesday night, and that's the last friendly before we uh, we kick things off in the EFL Cup against Huddersfield. So. It's hard to know what to make of because we've had bad pre-seasons and then the seasons turned out great. We've had really good pre-seasons and the seasons turned out badly. Turned out very badly, yes. Do you... It's a bit tricky to sort of know where... So Berner has played quite a bit of football, but it's worth probably talking about Berner in situation. So he has been linked with a move back to Germany for a good chunk of the summer. Yeah. And first off, it was around intertwined with the talk about not being paid so he was going to basically sort of cancel his contract and go pick up again in Bundesliga Spy uh but since he's been paid that has complicated matters hasn't it because he's still under contract for a year and I think Wednesday want to be paid for him moving which seems reasonable right yeah because I think um we're hearing the rumors that he's going to be um he is going for Probably for about six figures, which I think is a nice little deal. I want to say it's like a nice little deal for someone who's been mostly woeful for us. Mm, 
Yeah, I mean, let's. Uh, Rich has completely redacted his decent half season at the beginning, really. <laughs> but I mean, outside of that, um, there seem to be some rumors that because of the lack of uh, being paid, some some professionals wanted to have the opportunity to have it as a way to kind of engineer a move yes. on a free transfer out of the club. I feel like I'm fairly certain that allegedly I think Burner is probably one of those people. There was very determined two, after his almost handed their notice in. Yeah, I find it weird because I thought that the whole concept was I thought Burner seemed to really want to come to England to to meet up a personal goal of playing in England. I don't know, maybe it's it's also thanks to the pandemic made an incredibly tough time if he has any further family who are outside of England that he hasn't been able to see. Maybe that's a big uh, and maybe it's just kind of kind of added to a very sure difficult kind of experiment for him. I think I think really having, I don't know, six months of playing among, among crowds and then a longer period of time playing without any any fans is is probably yeah. something that adds to that. So I'm wondering if that's the reason why he's he's uh, looking to kind of swan off. Anyway, I mean, if we manage to get some money for him and he gets gets him off the wage bill, I think that's fine. Um, but I think that that kind of brings in some kind of issues about personnel at the back. Should we go back to talking about? Let's go back and kind of pick up. So Shadipo, you mentioned he was the second signing in. Yes. Not too long after Adoniran, I must say. Yep. And a player who's, you know, a young, promising winger at QPR, who seems to be kind of well thought of coming from their kind of youth scheme. And then, then he's obviously... Had, sorry, go on. And then had a very, very, very good season in League One. Yeah. 13 goals. I believe it's 13. Was it 13 goals at, at Oxford? I think the, I think the uh, the club website said 14, but he might have got one in a, in a cup as well, maybe. Maybe it's 13 mm. league... Still, tremendous return. Mm-hmm. Can play either flank, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, feels like a real steal. I know it's a loan, but it feels like a very good get. Yeah, feels like a good get. Feels like a player in a kind of prominent position. He, I think he's there at QPR for another year, so maybe that puts him in a position, you know, a slightly bigger kind of... Yeah, it just feels really good. Really good time to kind of bring him in. A really good time for him to kind of prove himself off, you know, to be a consistent performer in the football league off the back of, you know, a very good season for Oxford mm. last year. It just seems very promising, young pacey winger, and hopefully someone with a, comes in with a bit of confidence and can kind of be, hopefully, replace what we kind of saw at the beginning from Harris, from a very kind of well, if we could have, season from Harris. Yeah, if we could have similar sort of effort levels as as we, we got from Harris but with with a bit more sort of tangible output that would be a that would be a big step up from where we've been um yeah I mean it's interesting he's obviously he's at that kind of I was gonna say he's young in the way that Wild Smith and Dawson are young because mm. I think he's 24 24 so he's at that point where this is really like if you're gonna make waves this is when you've got to be making waves so it's probably I just can't see any downside really in Particularly if he's only got a year left, he's really got to get himself a decent contract by playing well with us, presumably. I think so, yeah. And yeah, it seems like a great signing. Definitely think so. And I, I really hope that from kind of Darren Moore's credentials, I'm hoping looking at, you know, working with younger players could be a really promising one to sign in. It was kind of a surprise, but I'm I'm, I'm really glad we brought him in in that position. 
yeah no it's, it's a good good addition and and I mean we're not we don't have tons of options on either flank so it's uh, it's nice to have somebody that can that can pick up on both mm-hmm. um maybe could be a league one Jakob Murphy for us oh can you imagine I just I'd love to love to imagine <laughs> that would be a beautiful beautiful thing to get in my head so uh, well now, now I'm almost thinking maybe we should just round out the the signings because we've we also added Jaden Brown who's mm. described on the website as a left-sided defender but I think he's very much seen as a left back in particular isn't he yes um but left-sided defender makes it sound like he potentially could be a left-sided center back if needs be in a in a 3 as well um yeah another addition um from Huddersfield, sort of joins us having been released by Huddersfield Town, our uh, first opponents of this of the new season, um, and and he played a he played a bit of football for them last year. He played thirteen games last season for them. So again, feels like a decent. He's a good age. He's twenty two years old. Uh, he's only five nine. So maybe he's not playing left sided centre back anytime soon. Mm. <laughs> It's probably a bit little for uh, for a centre back, um, but I I don't know I don't know much about him. We are but we are we're lacking at centre back uh, at, at, uh, at left I, back. I wonder, yeah, like having him come as a left back is is I think is more prominent for the fact that we're looking to bring in a left back rather than maybe the personnel. Maybe he's a little bit stopgap, but I think the fact that he is young and I think he's had a bit of a falter time at Huddersfield sound like he basically was kind of thrown at the deep end and kind of did well at the beginning, but then he got injured. Right. Big injury. And then I think Huddersfield fans seem to say he wasn't so good kind of following there. Um, He's come up through basically the Tottenham Hotspur Academy, had some kind of prominence being in England under 15, under 16, through to under 19 teams. And yeah, maybe there's a chance for him to kind of reignite his career, give himself uh, an opportunity to see if he can bloom here. It seems a very kind of cheap gamble, but one that I think I'm glad that we're making. Mm. Again, hopefully with those credentials, with uh, Darren Moore's credentials of working with young players, that could be one that's a, a decent, you know, a decent and fairly cheap gamble to get someone in on in that that kind of left back berth. I mean, it's interesting to think about. Think a lot about the young players that are coming through academies. Our academy mm. is the fact that, like, it's like I was worried near the beginning of this preseason that it seemed to be a lot of credentials given to during difficult times when the when the transfer embargo was still on. There were severe limitations. Yeah. Thankfully, things have been released to show that we're not on the EFL's naughty list. There have been some other clubs. Including the naughty list itself being published. Yes, exactly. And so interesting, you know, talking about, you said, you know, Ryan Galvin looked promising. Mm. But it's interesting to think about that. Like, none of our academy players have had a prominent say or any degree of a real say in our last campaign season. No. Because, you know, two of those have since departed. And maybe to a much lesser degree, I mean, Penny's left the club and... Now he signed a two-year deal at Ipswich, I believe. So we're sure in yeah. a going, how can we really say who's really a promising youngster? I mean, this is the whole thing about this kind of coming into the season. It's like, I, it's 
it's it's kind of a bit anxiety producing, but I mean the flip side of that could have some real excitement. I'm looking forward to seeing the first time I get to see Sheffield Wednesday to see who's gonna line up in yeah. what position to see are any of these youngsters deemed first team worthy right now, or whether we're gonna get more first team characters in and then basically maybe kind of look and see if we can chuck a few in on a few occasions and see if they blossom. Mm, there was a lot of talk early doors about young, you know, all, all of the academy lads having an opportunity to stake a claim really on a first team place. I yeah. wonder what it says about the talent that's available there that nobody really seems to have done anything to cement a place during this preseason. That could be the case. And I mean, it's interesting. I mean, obviously you mentioned Adadoyan scored, who's someone yeah. who previously signed and then kind of forgotten about. I think he had a lengthy injury as well. Um, a lot of noise was made about Charles Hagen yeah. signing a contract. And then the club seemed to make a big deal about these players signing professional contracts, really. And also, I wondered about whether it was that and also the local press, because I think, you know, you have to make a news article out of something. Yes. Really. And it was difficult because there wasn't a great deal happening at the football club. So I, I guess the interesting thing for us, and I think all Wednesday fans, is like, how are we going to regard these youngsters? Yeah. You know? So... I'm, I'm really curious, especially with kind of youngsters coming in, Adoniran, Shadipo, and Jaden Brown. The first, the first trilogy of our signings are kind of very young, very young players with a point to prove. <laughs> and then the fourth is from Bizarro Land. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's let's get on to that. Um, yeah, I, I, let's talk about the fourth signing, and then I think we should talk about uh, the squad as a like what the squad's looking like. Mm. Um, because we've got those two we've got Iolfa back we've got Luongo back we, what we do know and what we've, what's become sort of news in the last few days is unfortunately Windass is, has picked up a, a fairly serious sounding injury I don't know that we've been told what it is but he sounds like his hamstring and sounds like he's going for a scan so there's a severity yeah. but from what we're hearing he's pretty confident we're pretty confident that he's going to miss the beginning of the season how lengthy the beginning of the season is, whether that's three or... F- I would think that'd be like three or four games. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it might probably be sometime in September. Yeah. You see him back at some limited aspect. It would be very un-Sheffield Wednesday for it to just be that short. I, I think there's a there's a bit of worry. It could be... We could be looking at more more towards, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, maybe more. Mm. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah, the the... the the fourth signing is very left field, uh, but somebody that we're very, very familiar with, and it's Jack Hunt. He's back, back in the uh, in the Wednesday fold. Jack yeah. Hunt, and I, 1930s I, throwback footballer. Jack Hunt coming back on a one-year deal. Yeah, and apparently on reduced wages, and apparently had options in the championship. You wonder how you wonder how competitive certain areas are. And certain certain teams are within this environment. You're wondering whether teams are trying to cut the cloth and trying to get players on reduced deals. Maybe, maybe, That's maybe an they're idea. a bit hesitant of some of the wages that they've previously given out for some players. Or yeah, maybe this is probably a difficult market, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe for a player like Jack Hunt, a player who is 30, who sounds like he had like a little bit of a mixed time at Bristol City. Some very decent, some good appearances and some less good appearances. Whether he'd be high on kind of list of a teams to kind of gamble on or to bring in, maybe he's seen as like a, a medium sized player, even for a player of his kind of background and credentials. So 
very intrigued with the concept of all these players saying, I had other options, or I think it's been said, I'm not entirely sure who said this, but a player, one of the players we brought in said, well, there were other clubs interested, but I was interested to stick around and see when Wednesday would bring him in. So I guess interesting for Jack Hunt, he's had a lot of time in the club. He probably has a lot of affection for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, a lot also, of affection from us, the fans, I think. I, I was a big Jack Hunt fan. Me too. Um, he's also a Yorkshire lad. I think there's a bit of that towards the end of your career. Yeah. Being your family is is probably not a, uh, it's probably not, um, you know, it's not something you can ignore as much anymore. Mm. Um, and yeah, if, if his family have sort of stayed here and he's, he's done a commute down to Bristol City, that is a punishing commute to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, being being back up north um, in in the midst of your 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 kinfolk etc. is a is a is a nice addition because yeah, sort of started out at Huddersfield. I know he did go down to Palace, but he's born in Rothwell, so he's um, he's a Yorkshire lad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really pleased to see him back. I, I didn't quite believe it when the when no. we were linked because no. it's a caliber of player that I did not think we were being. We were in the market for in the market so, for. Yeah. Quite frank. Um, I, it amazes me that anybody has a hesitation. He's continued to play a good amount of games for Bristol City. He is somebody that goes down injured every single game, but does tend to play on. <laughs> he looks like he's had a season-ending injury most games. But um, he's a yeah. I'm I'm just very I'm re- really really pleased that he's undoubtedly the best option we have on the right-hand side. And I say that as somebody who is a fan of Liam Palmer, but I think Jack Hunt is a lot better than him, Um, certainly going forward. And he will be a nightmare to play against in League One. Mm. Um, I know people got... The the thing that people held against him when he was here previously was, oh, he doesn't get any assists. But I think I always think when those, those statistics are very simplistic, you know those like it's an it's an all or nothing statistic. Yes, it doesn't account for the fact that well he's the guy that passed it to the guy that played the final pass, or he played it into the box and there was a. It, all it takes is a defender touching it to take your assist away from you. So mm. you play the cross in, it causes a bit of chaos, and somebody pokes it home. You don't get an assist anymore, but you made the goal happen. And his running was just it was such a huge part of. When things were working under Carlos, Hunt and the runs he would make were a vital, vital cog in that machine. And I never saw his—I never saw him want for uh, for a gas tank either, getting back and forth. I never saw him jogging back like I like I see Liam Palmer doing sometimes. Uh, you know, watching his man go past him and score the goal. Uh, so I, I, I'm very pleased to have him back. I, um, I think one year is very sensible as well. That's another weird, a very un-Wednesday thing is that it's a year. Uh, in these situations, we normally give them three and we just see them slowly like grow mouldy in the bowl and fall apart. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pleased. It's a good signing. So you, you said you said previously we look we look strong in, you know, midfield looks like a strength. If I think Burner middle goes, of the park, I definitely think. I, it's interesting yeah. to talk about wingers. I still don't really know who else we have in that wing berth anymore. No, I was thinking that. Mm. But then wing berth and then strikers is not looking so good. I'm glad we're working on... I mean, it's interesting to say that like 
let's talk about kind of rumors a bit more. Like, there seems to be a lot of news about rumors about us actually wanting a goalkeeper, which is just fantastic yeah. news to my ears. Yes, sweet, sweet music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> if new goalkeeper signings be the food of love, then they are. Then sign on. Then sign on. Um, and then obviously rumours about Bailey Peacock Farrell, the former yes. promising Leeds youngster goalkeeper who's middled his way to Burnley and then doesn't seem to be doing much. I think we seem to kind of be an early sounding out about whether that would be possible. But that would be a really great acquisition if we could pull that off. I think we're probably going to be gazumped by a second-tier side. Yeah, I'd be am- I'd be amazed if it's Bailey. Pe- uh, just yeah, I'd be stunned if it was. Mm. And I mean, that would be. I don't know. I mean, that would be a, a mag- magnificent signing on on like yeah on a level that you just can't. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't think it's even worth thinking about uh, because. Uh, yeah, I, I I just cannot see it happening. A current <laughs> full international um, first choice for his country coming to a League One club uh, just doesn't feel feels very very unlikely. Um, although I know he doesn't play for his club very often, that's more to do with the fact that Burnley have an embarrassment of riches at goalkeeper. Um, yeah, I, I I like that we've been linked with a goalkeeper. Do you feel like so? Do, I, Goalkeeper is, for me, would be a priority. I think it could be a difference between having an okay season and having a very worrying season. Up top is interesting because I, I think I've previously been on board with the like, yeah, we really need a lot of support up top. Mm. Um, and I do have to say, Patterson has looked really, really bad in these friendlies, by and large. He's really mm. struggled. But uh, he, but we then we know he can. So I saw I, there was a good post. I, I apologies to the poster, um, but because I haven't remembered who who posted it. But there was a post on Al's talk, and I was just nodding along, reading it, and actually, you know, Windass if if he stays and gets fit, mm. I have, I would be surprised if he doesn't make 10, 15 goals. Oh yeah, for the yeah. season. So if Windass gets 10, 15 goals, and Patterson got. Did he get nine or ten last season? Yeah, he had a he had a load of few little he had a, had some real purple patches of form, didn't he? But if he can get ten in the championship, I've no doubt he'll get ten in League One. So between them, if you've got 25, 30 goals, mm-hmm. that's not a huge amount more goals to look for. No, and Luongo will get a handful if he plays. Luongo will get a handful. You've got to think Iorfa and Dunkley will ch- will chip in in a way that we've not seen defenders chip in for a long, long time. Shadipo? Shadipo. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's put him down for five or ten. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a <laughs> it starts to feel like goals are not our main worry. I'd like to see... I think we need... We do probably need one or two more bodies because you've always got to think about you know, runs of games and injuries and things like that. But uh, it, it, it sort of turned my head because I'd been feeling quite <laughs> worried about goals. And then it, actually, if you look at the goals we have in the team, it's a bit of a brighter prospect than certainly than I'd kind of accounted for. 
What do, how do you feel about that sort of side of things? I guess so. I think we just, uh, I don't know. I, it, it still feels that mentality of like, I, we do really want those proven characters to show that they can come forward. And it's like, it's not like there's been any great promising youngsters who we think that should really stick around and keep doing their stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it, it's again, that question of like, how good are, how good are the youngsters we have? We don't really know. How good are the players that we currently have at a lower level? Yeah. Like a Dawson Wildsmith good enough for league one. I feel like some sense they could be, but I'd, I'd rather not test. I'd rather not test these hypotheses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just, for me, those two goalkeepers have had their chances. Um, we can't do anything about the fact that Dawson was given a four-year deal. If we've got room in the budget, I'd really love to see a first-team goalkeeper come in because neither, neither of them are anywhere near good enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I I know levels are different, and but what that presumes is that strikers are so much better in the championship that they are asking things of goalkeepers that will not be asked of them in League One. And I think the mistakes that our goalkeepers make are so fundamental. It's not going to be easier in League One for them. If somebody shoots on your goal with any level of pace and power and you palm it to the penalty spot, I think they can do that in League One just as well as they can do it in the Championship. There'll be players that can take a shot from the edge of the box and get it on target. And... Mm -hmm. There'll be players that get in behind our back four, and if you stand behind your near goal, your near goalpost, and let them shoot at the hole of the goal, they're going to hit the the rest of the goal. They've got eighty percent of the goal to hit that you can't simply defend. You can't possibly defend. So I just feel like those issues are gonna, not going to go away. Communication, who knows? We don't hear them very. You know, we don't really hear them doing the organising. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's differences in in the out in in the you know the field of play, tactics, fitness levels, discipline, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think there are genuine differences for players who are defenders. Go. I think defenders get found out because it's like you tend to be more like one thing or another. Like you're a quick guy or a good guy in League One, and so as a defender, it's like okay. They're not going to be both. They're not going to be a quick good guy. (laughs) And that's what would give me headaches. So therefore, you get away with being a Rob Jones type heading merchant. And if it's a quick guy, then I stand off a bit and block him as he tries to run past me. I just feel a goalkeeper, I don't know that there's that same difference. Mm. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not, I would not profess to be an expert uh, at all. And in particular, (laughs) <laughs> no expertise in goalkeeping whatsoever but I, I I feel like those shifts in the type of game that people are playing and the quality of game that people are playing I don't know that that applies to goalkeeper in quite the same way they're still going to be bad at kicking yeah I don't know who knows I'm just hoping we can get some worth from them before they you know before they see out their lengthy lengthy Sheffield Wednesday contracts yeah well Wild Smith's only got this year hasn't he I think that's true. That's something so that's good. We'll get to yeah. say now at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't, I, I don't believe in fairy stories. I just don't think at 25, you're suddenly going to get good. Mm. 
maybe there's improvements, there's slight, you know, I'd love it if Basso comes in and goes, do you know what, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and suddenly they turn a corner. I, nobody would be happier than me. I just really struggle to see it. It's like something out of Disney. They would have to, like, I don't know, make a deal with Ursula or something to suddenly get good. <laughs> I can save like a real boy. Yes, you can, but your soul will be forever in this conch shell. <laughs> Do you think we need some help in defence? Do you think we're a bit short in the middle of centre-back? So, yeah, I think that's the interesting thing, looking at all those signings, though, is a bit like, I, I don't know, especially like, you bring Jack Hunt in, and then you bring a new left-back in. Does that mean Liam Palmer's going to be a centre-back now? Maybe. In a three, he's very good. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Hmm. And I suppose Brennan is a, Brennan is a decent prospect at centre-back as well. Mm-hmm. I do sort of forget about him. He, I was really impressed at how much talking he was doing, ordering people about. It was, really, it was nice to see <laughs> from a young whippersnapper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking. I mean, what what else do we have to, to, to cover here? Oh, well, we've got the new kits. I think the final thing we could talk about is probably the new kits, isn't it? That probably sums up everything we've got. Well, I feel like the last thing we should talk about is Sam Hutchinson's hair. Okay. You want to talk about that and we'll talk about the new kits and we'll finish off? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. What do you think of Sam Hutchinson's new hair? Uh, it's fugly. <laughs> I really, really, really don't. I don't know. Sure. Does it ever work for anybody doing the bleach blonde? Any men? Unless you've got like long flowing locks. Obviously, like Gaza, it was quite iconic, wasn't it? I, I was watching. I was watching the very, very awful Netflix dating show, Sexy Beasts. Have you seen Sexy Beasts? I, I know of it. I haven't seen it. So the first episode I watched, and basically, it's a woman choosing. It's a woman who's having a really difficult problem uh, finding someone because she's a six foot attractive model in New York. Okay. Which must be really must be really t- difficult for yeah, her. Yeah, awful. Yeah. And then you know they had a, a number of these suitors, and she chose this guy who she seems to have a lot of chemistry with, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like revealed and she's like, oh, you're so attractive. I'm like, he looks like a lion who's had a stroke. (laughs) You have this lengthy kind of blonde crap hair. I'm like, it just, I think if you had like that lengthy hair, if you had that much hair and you can like twirl it around like you're some, like you're some Tarzan, then that's fine. Do you like how I said Tarzan? Tarzan, yeah, yeah. Tarzan. Like a Jewish gentleman. Tarzan. <laughs> Armin Tarzan, Rian. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so I think for someone like him, even though I, I was like staggered that she thought he was an attractive man, because, like I said, he looked like a like a real foppy foppy dolt. Um, I, yeah, I don't see why anyone would want to kind of any men would want to do a bleach blonde, especially with that short haircut, and especially yeah. in football, it has that. It has that real connection to Gaza, doesn't it? In Euro '96, it does. Which again was like the lazy kind of penmanship that happened in the Euros with with Phil Foden. Well, I think Foden was well. trying to say like I'm basically Gaza. Yeah, which he's not. No, but it's what he's trying to say. But there's a lot of delusions of grandeur, even for a team that was talented enough to reach yeah. like, the Euro finals, like. <laughs> Was it the Yorkshire Perlow is the term given to Calvin Phillips? <laughs> yes, yes. And which my eldest brother Andy proclaimed that anyone who's ever seen Perlow played would never make that analogy. 
Oh, so distasteful. It's and very, very crassly just called him, very crassly just called him Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> Yorkshire Pillow. Oh, Pillow was just, yes. Pillow was peerless. Yeah, there we go. Oh, even when he was like 40, just wandering around with a cigar on, just unbelievably mm. great player. Yeah, nonsense. Too. So anyway, I thought Sam Hutchison's haircut was very bad. What did you think about it? Really? <laughs> yes, me too. Okay. Uh, We're in agreement. A weird, a weird choice. He's an odd, he's a bit of an odd chap, is our Sam, I think, slightly. Yeah. Should we, we talk a lot the, about Sam Let's move on to the final topic, which there might be, we might differ on the spectrum of opinions on, which is okay. New Kit. New Kit Who New Kit. New Kit Who Dis. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, what do you, so first off, we, mm. we uh, it, the elevate is gone. Elevate is gone. Yes, the shapely bottom will no longer be part of our half times. Yeah, much disappointment for uh, Paddy from New York Owls. I did reach out and offer our condolences. I'm seeing any yeah. any jiggly ladies botter on the half time. But uh, to replace that Italian style meets Sheffield Steel once again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're gonna get on our get on our moped and zip zip down to Hillsborough. Ciao Bella. Is that getting tram? No, get on me get on my fucking moped. <laughs> but I would like to just like I don't know. No, that would be if I if I turn the engine off I could grab onto the back of it a bit like Marty McFly. And could, like head down to Head down to middle. <laughs> head down to Middlewood on that. <laughs> so don't need a credit card to ride that tram, Rich. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the power of Macron. Uh, yeah. So, and then also, you're you're pleased. You're probably really okay. pleased now, Rich, because we don't have the whole thing with. We no longer have the thing that you were saying, which you kind of feared, was that it was going to be the old... Um, you really feared it was going to be that crap pre-season kit. Our crap pre-season kit with the jaggy stripes. The jaggy stripes, yeah. Is So, okay. Well, now I wonder what... Uh, now I maybe know where we're going. So we've had a new... So we've got the new new home kit, mm. new away kit, and, mm-hmm. and one goalkeeping jersey. Mm-hmm. I think two of them are... Not bad, and a third I'm really not particularly happy with. <laughs> All right, we're dancing around this. Can so, we can we talk about I, the thing I really enjoyed was I thought whoever Wednesday are hiring for the media, I think it's Lens Lens Go or Lens to Go uh, Visual Media. I thought they did a very very good job with the media release. I've watched it a few times because I quite enjoy it. I must admit, it's really good. I thought it was a really crisp little minute and a half segment with. You know, and then them trying to do like a big work to kind of involve like a local brand, like a local band with the Sherlocks and kind of involve them who clearly seem to be certain degrees than Wednesdayites, which is nice. And it's tram lines as well. It's so tram it's lines, it's around then, it's very well timed. They recorded it at Steel Yard Kellum, yep. which I've never been because it's been it's a long trendy. time since I've been. It's been a trendy, uh, like an indie bar down there. Yeah. And it's yeah it's nice it's good it's really good it's really crisp we get to have the hilarious bits there's so many bits i really enjoy watching for the comedy like you know like andre green and liam palmer listlessly looking up like they're gonna like if you saw them across the bar and you just like you made eyes at them and they like look up to be like they're gonna they're gonna bang you out for looking at their them in their new wednesday threads (laughs) 
That's what it kind of felt like. And I loved Andre Green listlessly tapping his badge. That was nice. I also liked the bit where I think the band are playing and then it cuts to it cuts to Dawson and Wildsmith like sitting down. And then they kind of get up like two big lanky apes to kind of strut towards the camera in slow motion. <laughs> There's a lot of things I really enjoyed. I love the bit where they did the Sherlock's are playing and then they cut back to two of them, the drummer and the lead guitarist singer wearing the Wednesday home and awake yes. it. That was a lovely switch. That was a nice bit of editing. There's a bit where Liam Palmer pushes the camera away. Yes. Like he's offended at you looking at him in his Wednesday <laughs> shirt. It was, it was brilliantly, it's really well done, but also brilliantly Tosh as well, which I think <laughs> naturally are a bit Tosh. I think that's kind of some of the enjoyment that kind of comes with them. Yeah. You know, so really enjoyed that. Kits wise, what do I think? Yeah, I'd say probably, t- I, I think I'd probably maybe agree with you on your kind of recommendation. But then we don't know which one. So, okay. Uh, so the one I'm less keen on is the home shirt. Interesting. Okay. I think the stripes are too small. Well, the stripes are uneven, aren't they? Is that right? Are they? I think they're very slightly uneven. Even worse. You know what I like with the home shirt? I think it's the same design as that kind of weird, kind of polygonal. Polygonal? Polygonal? Polygamy. Polygamy. Yeah. It says, it says multiple <laughs> wives. Big old uh, swinger key party that's going on with the um, design in the middle of the stripes. That's what I like. We're all swingers, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you're right. I think the white stripes are bigger than the blue stripes. Mm. It's slightly off. And then you're going on to the sleeves, which is a big contentious sleeves thing to have the full block blue. Blue sleeves. I don't think it's sometimes too bad. I, I remember uh, there's, there's been Wednesday kits I've liked with blue sleeves. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of people who get upset about the back of them. Yeah. It looks it looks better on Dunkley. I suppose if you're absolutely built like Dunkley is, the sleeves look much better on Dunkley than they do on Palmer. So mm. you just have to be hench and then you can pull it off. Be well hench. Be well hench. He's got some big, big beefy uh, biceps, his uh, Dunkers. The big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, and oh, so, just admiring just admiring Shay Dunkley's physique the awake it the awake it do you not like it I think I have like flashbacks to the fact that we've taken the piss out of Sheffield United for being <laughs> the pigs and having the way shirt I'm aware that I'm aware of the kind of context and they would fervently argue without any kind of great reason behind it that we're the pigs so yes. that we've got like a pink away shirt yeah, I just thought it was more hilarious with United because it's like the main shirt is red and white. Pink is directly next to red in the color scheme. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not an away change whatsoever. We're going to play Man United. Okay, Man United at home. We're going to play in pink. That's such a bad contrast. <laughs> I don't know. I I think we should just basically have something a bit similar to. We should just declare what a color or maybe a color palette of away kits are going to be, and we just rotate around those with different variants every year i know wickets do give us something a bit different but i think i miss some of the classic stuff like um I, i'd miss a yellow i think we need a yellow waker it's been a long time since a decent yellow one i think can we just have a call back to the to the is it 99 is it 91 92 or 1991 with the the yellow with the the light blue color can we just have that back well i sort of feel like yeah i feel like yellow and Yellow, black, and white is the kind of classic. And then if you want to change up, I feel like I've had some good orange kits in the past. 
This is a bit different. I, I kind of like the away kit. I think um, it's a. It looks like a Palermo kit, doesn't it? Basically, but uh, mm. I don't mind it as a as a one off. Mm. Apparently, they all feature a stylish Korean neck. <laughs> That's fantastic. Style, style shirts also feature stylish Korean neck button down collar, and will be on sale with a classic sponsor free frontage because we can't get a sponsor. Uh, we can't get a sponsor printed on them in time. <laughs> they don't say that bit in the press release. Um, yeah, Korean neck. Who knew? Mm. And then the 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 the, the, oh, the goalkeeper's jersey's fine, just fine. It's fine. It's nice and orange. I like that. Yeah. I, I think I prefer an orange away kit. Cam Dawson always has a bit of sort of en- um, competition winner energy, <laughs> which we, we recognise as I've had that plenty of times before. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then obviously, Wildsmith looks like he should be in the band with his with his lovely long flowing locks. Should be, should be, should be picking up. He should be picking up bass guitar for him. <laughs> shall, I, shall I pick up bass, lads? Do you want a second bass player? <laughs> yeah, and there we go. There we go. That's mm. that's uh, that's our John Craven's news roundup for uh, for this summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we we're going to be back with predictions next week, Luke. Mm. And in, I'm, I'm, and I'm, we're hoping in the meantime we may have we may have a bit more of a feel for what the squad looks like because it still feels like there's a bit of work to do. Yeah, I, I just like I say, it does feel a bit like I feel like that was the case last summer, where yep. we were like mm-hmm. entered the season with a fairly unfinished looking squad, and I think I think we made like three signings or four signings on deadline day, didn't we? Pretty much, which, yeah. It'll probably which, be the same case again. Yeah. So we might it might be um, predictions with a caveat, but we'll uh, we'll persevere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, season three of Different Gravy is kicked off well and truly. Yep, I think that's probably it for us. That sounds good. Here we go, folks. Look See after you yourselves. Nice, See you, bye. <laughs> Bye.